everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service. You're in complete control of your own podcast. You can run it from your own website. And it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. Today, it's my pleasure to have with me an award-winning journalist and author. And uh, along with writing true crime and nonfiction graphic novels, he's written for a variety of major periodicals. Today, we'll we'll focus on his writing for a newsletter he has on Substack called Disruptor. My guest today is David Kushner. Hi, David. Thanks for being with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, no problem. It's a pleasure for me. Um, I was reading over what you wrote on Substack about the uh, festival, uh, the Texas Renaissance Festival. Uh, What prompted your interest in the crime that took place at this festival? Well, I, um, you know, I had gone to the Texas Renaissance Festival. um, Actually, it was about 17 years ago. Um, to do a story on it for FHM magazine, which was a men's magazine at the time. And um, I was interested in it for a couple reasons. One was because it's, you know, it's the world's largest Renaissance festival. It's in kind of in the middle of a, um, you know, in the middle of a small town. That's a town of about 100 people outside of Houston. So it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and this guy, uh, George Coulomb, who came there in the in the 70s and incorporated the town, became mayor, and then essentially transformed the town into, you know, working recreation of a Renaissance village. All that was super fascinating to me. Um, and I went there and I was there for a few days reporting the story. Um, and, uh, and then at one point when I was leaving the festival one night, um, you know, a scuffle broke out very close to me and, um, you know, a lot of shouting and crowd forming and I got out of there, you know, <laughs> don't want to be in a situation like that. But what I later found out was that actually somebody had gotten um, killed in that fight. Somebody was stabbed multiple times and it was terrible, obviously terrible tragedy. 
And it's something that I always thought about having just kind of brushed up so close to it. And then as things went, this magazine went out of business. I never wrote the story, um, but I thought about it for 17 years. And, um, and then I finally decided, you know, I have this newsletter and I thought there's a different way maybe I can approach telling it um, and uh, telling it in kind of a bit of a more, you know, multimedia way, I guess you, you might say. Um, and so that's how it all came about. Yeah, it was very multimedia. You had the uh, clip in there with, the, I think it was Lisa Gibbons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, there are a couple of things that struck me about your story. First of all, the way this guy bought up this land. Yeah. Um, essentially uh, starting this um, town that he owns pretty much and is mayor of. Right. And uh, it's it's almost like um, a unique niche company town or something. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I mean, it's interesting that he, you know, he went in there and incorporated the town, like I said, became mayor. And then what he, he needed people to work, you know, his idea, he really came out of the, the Renaissance festivals came out of the kind of you know, I guess you would say like the hippie culture of like 60s, 70s. He was a part of that. And um, and he took it really seriously. He's a, he was an artist. He he worked on stained glass and all of that. And there was there's kind of a nomadic um community around these Renaissance festivals, and they travel from festival to festival. Um, and they also look for somewhere to stay during the off season. Um, and so he had all of these ideas that he could kind of create a place um, that would be a really impressive festival, but also be a place where people could come, Rennies, as they're called, could come uh, on the off season. So, um, and to do this, he needed help. So he started recruiting the locals um, uh, who were skeptical, certainly at first. um, And, uh, you know, they were coming from two different worlds completely. And, but he taught them, middle English he taught them how to dress you know he taught them how to kind of behave and and they embraced it because you know it was a it was a a source of income um for them and it it became um a passion for a lot of people in that area yeah yeah very very interesting the other thing that struck me about it was the shocking level of violence between people who barely knew each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, these days, there, there are shocking, child, shockingly violent events that, that take place. Yeah. Uh, way too often. And, um, but when I think about this level of violence in this particular crowd, that certainly must have had an effect of some sort. Can, yeah. Can you talk about that in general in terms of the effect as well as has has is this indicative of anything in particular? I mean, it may be indicative of, of what happens when um people um you know, I don't know. I think that you know tragedies can happen anytime, any place you know, this is a place where people are spending the day and night drinking a lot, partying a lot. The idea is that, you know, you're living in this 
somewhat hedonistic <laughs> fantasy of what it was like during that time. People are jousting, men are men, women are women, that kind of a attitude, you know. So in a way, it's very retrograde, actually. But um, and most people go there and and you know have a great time and it's just fun and it's like a theme park. So um, I mean, you know, if I could break out outside Disney World, but you know, in this case, I think you had an individual um, who clearly, you know, had been drinking, had been doing drugs, um, and uh, you know, then another individual who um, was in the wrong place at the wrong time really had tried to help out this other person in ways that I describe in the article. And, um, and then that quickly went south. Mm, That's for sure. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, what made you interested in writing your books? My books? Yes. (laughs) Um, I, um, you know, I guess I, I had just been in college. I, you know, started writing for the school newspaper and um, I enjoyed that. That was um, a way that I could get free CDs and concert tickets at the time. So I was very opportunistic and, um, you know, and then I really enjoyed it. I grew, I, as I, around that time, I had been reading um, a lot of what were called the new journalists, people who were writing um, magazines like Rolling Stone. So, you know, Hunter Thompson and Tom Wolfe and, you know, and Joan Didion and people like that. Um, And so I just really became attracted to that kind of writing. It was, you know, what we call now like narrative nonfiction. So true stories that read like fiction that are really deeply reported and you know where the reporting is is immersive and you're really trying to get to know people again find out what makes them tick and 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 bring them to life so you know that that was my interest and um and then I started in the pretty much in the early 90s kind of writing about the nascent internet um which was was starting to happen and gaming and hackers you know um and I felt like that was an, a relatively undocumented um culture and industry so I kind of raised my hand and said hey I'd like to write about this stuff and eventually people gave me a break and and that led to you know a series of books mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that you write on a variety of topics, mm-hmm. uh, impressive variety, music, travel, business, mm-hmm. true crime. <laughs> have I missed yeah. anything? Pop culture? <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's really, um, you know, one thing I learned and it's, I do teach journalism occasionally and, you know, I think that when a lot of people are starting out, I did this myself. I mean, I'll never forget. I pitched one of the first stories I pitched Rolling Stone um, was, I think I just wrote a letter saying like, Hey, why don't I write about monster trucks? (laughs) And which is probably the worst pitch you could ever give, whether or not you're interested in monster trucks. But what took me a long time to learn was that, you know, it's, you can't just pitch a topic, you know, it's not about something being cool. It's like, what's the story? 
you know what's what's the drama what's the conflict who are the characters um so for me that's really what it's about it's not it's it's a little bit about it's about the worlds too i mean i'm interested i was interested in the world of these renaissance festivals just having gone to them as a kid but it's not enough to just want to write about a festival um you know originally i was for me it was a profile of this guy and and the conflict was how does this guy come to the middle of this kind of cowboy town in the middle of nowhere and turn it into the world's largest renaissance festival that to me was interesting um so um you know in the conflict between him and the community and then that ended up becoming a crime story so that's that's kind of how i approach it i mean i'm interested in a world but really comes down to the characters and the story and like what happened isn't that really what it's always all about yeah <laughs> Like yeah, I mean, I think a good nonfiction. <laughs> yeah, I think so, and I think that like you know, people were, you know, we we are storytellers. Like that's how we organize our lives and information. And I think another good way to think about it is just just like how you when when something happens and you tell a friend or a family member, like, oh gosh, you wouldn't believe what happened. You know, if you listen to how you tell that story what are the stories that you tell? How do you tell them? That's kind of a, a bit of my thought process too, you know, about how I approach something. So, um, you know, in this case, it would be like, you know, this guy who you wouldn't the world's largest Renaissance festival, you know, is actually in the middle of this kind of small cowboy town and they've had all these crimes and things like that. So I don't know. It's just a, it's setting it up for the conflict is the approach mm -hmm. yeah um what prompted you to start uh, writing for sub substack mm -hmm. um a few things i mean one is that i um there are a lot of stories that i want to tell i mean i'm never really at a loss for them but it takes a while <clears throat> you know with magazines and all of that the production process is lengthier and so on so I wanted to have an outlet where I could just kind of do my own thing when I felt like it and, and tell my own stories in, in ways that I, that I want to do it. Like the Renaissance Texas is, you know, it's a nine part story um, filled with all kinds of different things. So um, that, that's really was my interest was just to have an outlet for where it, I could be a bit more flexible and, and kind of creative and how I approach this. Mm -hmm. and what kind of reception has it gotten from readers um yeah I mean it's 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 nice to to have a, a kind of a direct way of reaching people it feels more um kind of intimate in a way it almost feels like a class like I've taught classes and although this isn't you know it's not um it's not a class but there is a sense of like, okay, we're all together here. Here's the story I'm going to be parsing out. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I have this other long form project on there called masters of Dis disruption, how the gamer generation built the future, which builds on ideas from my first book, masters of doom, which was about actually um, some guys in Texas who made the games doom and quake, um, which are among the most popular franchises in that industry. 
So, um, you know, that's a project where once a week, I'm, I'm kind of telling the story that um, played out in the time that I wrote the book after the, sorry, I wrote the book. So um, yeah, it's just a different kind of conversation that I can have with readers. Do you make use of the messaging function? Do you tend to do a lot of interaction? I don't at all. <laughs> and which is probably considered, um, you know, I don't know, bad form or not wise. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, I have been doing this for a long time. And um, if I'm going to do something, like, I really want to do it and engage. And for me, I, I certainly understand the value of community online. And I have written so much about it. But, you know, I'm the kind of guy at the party who stands in the corner and then kind of leaves. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> I, that's been my approach to social media, for better or for worse. And, um, you know, so, so for me, I'm just focusing on telling the stories, you know, and people email me. It's always great to hear from people. But that's kind of how I've managed it. Boy, do I hear you when you say that, the one who stands in the corner and leaves. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> uh, let's see. Have you thought about turning the series into an ebook? No, I mean, I just, you know, for me, this is a forum unto itself. This is this is its own thing. And, um, and it's a way that I, I, I've kind of created three buckets on there. You know, one is this long-form project, Masters of Disruption. The other one our original feature stories that I'm creating just for the newsletter, such as the Texas story. I did another one recently about a um, called Lunch Ladies, which was about a heist that took place at a high school in Connecticut um, by some of the lunch ladies and the food director who stole, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from the school. And then I have an era, uh, another section, the Reporter's Notebook, where I'm I'm looking back at some stories from my archive and sharing them and and kind of reconsidering them telling some of the behind the scenes stories. cool very cool um what writers inspire you most and what do you like to read um well i you know the good thing about the good and bad thing about my job is that i'm reading all i'm reading all the time um for whatever i'm writing you know, so if like right now I'm working on a story that deals with remote working, for example, you know, I'm reading a lot about that. It, it's very, it's kind of academic in a way. Um, but, but then I'll also read, you know, I, I'll read books that are related to what I'm working on. Unfortunately, I don't get a ton of time. I don't make a ton of time to read for pleasure because I'm just always reading for work, but work is pleasurable. So it all sort of fits together. And you know, uh, the things that I write about interest me. So, you know, that it, my reading is connected to my writing. It's, a, um, so, but yeah. And, um, that's, that's kind of what my reading life is, is like. Well, I, I can understand that completely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone who would like to have a career as a writer? Um, the advice that I give to someone who wants a career as a writer is to write. 
I mean, you know, I don't honestly like that really, it's the simplest advice and it sounds maybe glib, but that's really it. You just have to do it. Like that's the difference. I mean, I think a lot of people start and they don't finish because they don't write and, and you have to write a lot and you have to, um, deal with an enormous amount of rejection. The rejection is something that will never end, no matter who you are. And so I think writing and persevering um, are the most important things. And, um, and the other thing that I tell people are, who are journalists and who are starting out, um, it's kind of like the write about you know thing but it more specifically you know if you're out there and you wanting to make a career as a journalist there are a lot of people out there writing what do you know about that that people don't know about maybe it's your local community something that happened there you know look in your own backyard tell the stories that you have an expertise in um so i think thinking locally and looking in your own community is a good way to get started too. I'm glad to hear you say that because uh, I was going to ask you about uh, your thoughts about the future of local journalism. Oh, yeah, it's depressing, um, you know, what's happening to local newspapers, for sure. So I think on one hand, the industry is obviously in a lot of um, turmoil and transformation and flux. But that said, there's also opportunity. So I know that Substack has been working on some local journalism programs, things of that nature. Um, So while the old traditional outlets are changing and shrinking, you have new ones forming. The the real issue and the real loss that that I don't know that people think about exactly, but it's the structure that's the infrastructure of a, of a, of a local newspaper, you know, you've got editors, you've got fact checking, you've got copy editing, like there are, there are a lot of hands and eyes and minds that are going into every story, um, which is going to give you a different level of, of, of quality of the content. So, you know, if it's the internet and it's just one person telling you what they think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not necessarily being held to as rigorous a standard for news. So, you know, this, this gets into a much deeper question (laughs) problem about analytical thinking, critical thinking, and, you know, um, you know, and how we consume media, which uh, is a struggle. Yeah, boy, you you said a mouthful right there. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish up? Um, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Thanks for having me. I mean, it was great to talk about all of this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to just check out my newsletter, which is davidkushner.substack.com. And, um, you know, usually I'm, I'm posting there a couple times a week. All right. Well, thank you so much again. Sure. And um, in closing, I'd like to remind everyone that you can buy the Crime Cafe uh, box set and anthology 
from any major online retailer and several minor ones as well. Uh, you can also get a free copy of each if you become a supporter on Patreon. So check out the Patreon page. I hope you'll give that a look. And um, if you did enjoy this interview, please leave a review. I'd appreciate it. It helps the show a lot. Um, on my next show, I'll be interviewing crime writer Rod Sattler. In the meantime, take care and happy reading.